Welcome back to the Building Management Podcast brought to you by MarketScale. I'm your host, Taylor Standridge, and I'm very fortunate to be able to talk to this one guest today. He is the definition of a thought leader in the building management world, and his insight and knowledge is absolutely bizarre, but this guy knows a lot, and I'm really excited to hear what he has to say. His name is Brandon Borland. He's from FSG. You can go to fsgi.com, find out what they're doing there. But Brandon, really grateful that you're on the show today. Thank you. Well, starting off, I know that you handle, you're the director of marketing and communications for FSG. And so I kind of wanted to tell, uh, I wanted, I kind of wanted to tell our audience, what, what does that mean for somebody who works in building management? What does marketing entail for that? Well, <clears throat> my job is basically to tell the story, um, of FSG and what it is that, that we offer as a company, but, but more importantly, uh, what it is that we solve, uh, for a building owner, or for a building operator. And so for me, what I spend a lot of my time doing is looking for those stories and looking for those challenges that um, our customers or, or potential customers or maybe not even potential customers, maybe just, just, just the industry as a whole is facing and trying to understand how those stories and how those challenges fit into a bigger narrative and then communicating that narrative into the industry. And so um, a lot of my focus is trying to help people understand um, how energy efficient solutions, how lighting, how electrical things that uh, can otherwise be kind of boring, quite honestly, uh, can really be exciting because the truth is they bring a lot of things like uh, reduced energy consumption, uh, better lighting, more value to a property, all of these sorts of things, things that uh, can be pain points and challenges for customers. So that's what I try to do. And sometimes I'm successful and sometimes I'm not. But uh, Babe Ruth didn't hit home runs every time he got up to bat. So That's very true. He did not. But he was known for his home runs. And uh, one thing I'm noticing right off the bat is uh, just kind of looking at your background, uh, you have very deep knowledge in technology and operations. Can you kind of tell us how you got into this industry? <laughs> well, it's actually kind of funny because, you know, my yeah, my background is technology. That's where my education lies. It's where most of my experience lies. Um, telecom switching and routing, VoIP. Um, these are all things that I was was in, but I also had a background in um, theater and in communications. And we live in a world today where everything is connected. Um, you know, uh, quite honestly, full disclosure, I'm doing this recording while sitting in a car and this car is connected to the internet right now. Uh, and that's an incredible thing if you think about it. And and so what we have to do is we have to be um, able to understand how technology plays a role in our world. And, and, and where I got into FSG, FSG is highly motivated by new technology and, and up and coming things. And, and all of the products and services that we deliver, um, most of them come with an IP address attached. I mean, the light fixtures above your heads, believe it or not, are becoming more and more connected. Uh, the electrical systems are becoming, uh, are connected uh, and communicating information and data uh, second by second on, on how a building is operating. And so for me, coming with a technology background, but also with a communications background, I joined the company to help um bring an understanding of how technology plays into our world because I could understand technology, but I could also do something that's very rare in technology and that is I could communicate it. So let's talk about new technology for a second in the building management world. I know that uh, as more and more buildings are being built, I'm in the Dallas area. I believe you're in Houston. Is that right? Yeah. So I'm, I'm based in North Houston. 
actually on my way to Dallas as we speak. But but yes, wow, okay, <laughs> there you go. Well, as we uh, as I'm seeing new buildings being built in downtown. I'm seeing more of an integration of automation inside these buildings. Can you kind of expand on this rapid adoption in the building process? Yeah, sure. So if you if you really think about, you know, what what is the biggest challenge that a property owner faces? And I mean, and I'm not talking like the day to day who's going to take out the garbage, all that kind of stuff. I'm, I'm talking about like the really big overarching challenge that a property owner faces. And that big overarching challenge is that most of your property owners, most of your property operators, especially in these larger buildings, these larger developments, aren't necessarily on site. They aren't necessarily the ones that are using the building every single day because they might have a portfolio of properties or the building might be a very large building. They can't they can't know what's going on on uh, 53 floors you know, of the Bank of America building. So um, they have to rely on people to take care of their building. They have to rely on people to operate their building efficiently so that their building can retain its value so that there's not breaking down all, all these different things that are headaches for a property owner. And what's happening in the industry is we're seeing now how um, connected buildings, how smart buildings and how um, these controls can not only help you know reduce the energy load, which which tends to be the big thing that we talk a whole lot about, but they also bring a level of peace and a level of comfort for the property owner because the property owner now doesn't have to worry about his building as much as he used to. Um, these control systems are telling property owners uh, when there are electrical failures, when there are HVAC systems that are getting ready to break down, uh, when a water pump is running longer than it should. These systems are communicating things back to people that are able to take action and fix them before they become big problems. And by doing that, we're addressing probably one of the biggest problems a property owner can have. And that's just the stress of the unknown, the stress of what's going to break next, the stress of how are we going to fix it and, and how are we going to minimize costs? Well, we're minimizing costs by being proactive with controls. We're minimizing costs by communicating what's going on in the building. And what we like to say at FSG, we were actually in a meeting uh, just yesterday out in California talking to a building, um, you know, about putting in a control system. And really what it boils down to is, is controls gives us the opportunity as FSG to care about a building for a property owner uh, when the people that are actually in that building don't care about it. Uh, and so it's uh, that's why I think you're seeing more and more of it. Uh, you know, property owners are starting to realize and, and it's becoming more accessible. It's becoming more affordable. Um, and so the ROIs are, are, are quicker uh, and the uh, the tenants are starting to see the value as well because they don't have to worry about things they used to have to worry about uh, in their lease agreements. And so the, the space becomes more leasable. And so you start to see increased property value. There's just all sorts of benefits. And, uh, and it's a lot of fun to kind of pick and draw those out. And it's kind of neat to just see what, what's the next one going to be. It really is. And I'm seeing a lot of uh, LED lighting innovations happening, too. I mean, I, I used to think that uh, LED was only, you know, fit for certain areas and certain shapes. But now you can put it on anything from what I'm seeing. Anything. I mean, um, you know, Dallas, you're in Dallas right now. Take the Dallas skyline, for example. You know, a lot of LED is going on the outside of buildings out there. In the past, that wasn't necessarily possible. But with architectural LED, with the designs, with the size of the microchips and the processors and the drivers, 
Um, you know, we can outline any building in LED, but then we can also come inside of the building and, and we can get highly decorative um, first class. You know, we just did a project not too long ago down in uh, Orlando with the Waldorf Astoria. You know, you talk about a brand that's really driven by design and really focused on attention to detail. And uh, to bring LED in about five or six years ago would have been a disaster in that, that, that property because that property is very warm and they want the lamps to look like the old, you know, candelabra kind of fancy uh, uh, lamp light bulb. Uh, and that didn't exist in LED. It does exist now. And so we're able to go in there and we're able to change out all of their lamps to LED. And the customer has no idea that that's happened. That it doesn't look like LED. It looks like old incandescent technology. So yeah, LED technology has come a long way. And not to mention, it's become so much more effective and efficient. Um, you know, we're even starting to see uh, power over Ethernet LED lighting systems, which is a big deal uh, in a, a high rise or in an office setting where you might have multiple tenants over a 10 year span. I mean, think about this, an LED fixture can last for up to 10 15 years, we're seeing some with 10 year warranties and some saying, oh, we'll go 15 or 20 years. In that 15 to 20 years, you could have three or four tenants in a space. Uh, and so as a property owner, uh, if you can come in and put a power over ethernet system, lighting system in, then what that means is that instead of having to, when the tenant comes in and they wanna move the offices around and they wanna change the space, you go up there into the ceiling grid, you don't have to necessarily throw away these fixtures and rewire, all you have to do is unplug your RJ45, relocate that fixture to another part of the ceiling grid, plug it back in, and you're good to go. And so LED is just bringing a whole new level of, of efficiency, of capability, of design to lighting that um, is really exciting. It's tons of fun. And uh, it's really neat to see what property owners are doing with it. Well, it sounds like it's not only reducing operating costs by like a significant amount, but it's also as a result of that, adding a bunch of value to your building. So uh, I want to talk about upkeep for a second. Um, you wrote a blog uh, on your website, FSG, FSGI.com, and it's called How the Win Makes It a Win. And I wanted to ask you this question because I found it fascinating, just especially in the hospitality world. These buildings are operating seven days a week, 24 hours a day. So kind of finding these upgrades or these maintenance projects or these remodeling projects, it can seem like a nightmare because, you know, where's the time to do it? So can a project's timeline really determine if it's going to be a success or not? Oh, absolutely. Um, you know, if you think about it, you you end up, well, let's go back to, you know, how you decide to do a project. You decide to do a project because you've got a challenge, right? You've got a problem. Um Maybe a external problem, a real problem, or it may just be a philosophical problem where it's like, you know what, it's, it's just time to do this. And we need, we just need to look a little bit cleaner or we need to, we need to look like we're with the times, you know, or it could be an external problem where the electrical system is actually failing and you need to get in there and actually do some work. And while you're doing it, let's just go ahead and do an LED upgrade. Um, in, in, in a business where it's running 24 seven, um, we've seen projects and, and, and this is just full disclosure. This is the, this is the business we're in. We've had projects fail because we didn't schedule them the right way. Um, you know, really when you sit down to answer a problem, one of the first questions I think you have to ask is, you know, can I fix this problem and still continue to do business? If I can't do that, then what does that mean for my business? And I have to calculate all that in and I have to calculate the loss of productivity, et cetera, into 
the return on investment into the overall cost of the project. So really, if you go in and you say, I'm going to do this lighting upgrade, but I've got to turn off the lights and I've got to shut the doors for two days, well, suddenly that $50,000 project costs you $150,000 because you lost $50,000 per day in revenue and it's a loser. Um, and so your ROI suddenly goes from one year to four years. So, you know, it's, it's critical that these things be thought about and that they be considered. And one of the things that we really um, look for when we're setting a project with a customer is we're looking for the uh, and asking the customer, what is your business like? Uh, what, what is it that's what is this really going to cost you if we do it like this or if we do it like this? And we try to find the right time to do the project, the right season to do the project in um, and the right way to do the project. So the customer can continue to draw their revenue on their streams and the customer can continue to be productive. So at the end of the day, their ROI is not affected uh, by a loss of productivity or a loss of revenue. Uh, absolutely one of the most critical things. And I think a lot of contractors don't really think about that a lot because it can be more expensive to do a project after 5 p.m. Um, you know, you're, you're going to be paying uh, higher wages. You're going to be dealing with um, things that, you know, your stores are going to be closed. So if you have to run out for that last minute part, you may have to wait for a 24 hour cycle before you can get it. So sometimes doing projects overnight can be a little bit trickier and a little bit more costly. So contractors don't always like to do that. But the reality of it is if you're willing as a business to meet the customer where they need you to be, the truth of the matter is the customer is more likely to come back to you later if you have solved their challenge and you have really met their expectations and their ROI. And that little bit of cost, that little bit of extra cost it took to do the project when the project needed to be done can be that little bit that makes the relationship with the customer a win in the long run. It really can. It sounds, I, I never had any idea that that timeline had such an issue with that and that it has such an impact ultimately. Um, so uh, one thing I'm seeing is uh, I really wanted to ask you this for some time. Uh, in Indianapolis, Indiana, this past year, you got to work on something really cool, the Andretti Autosport uh, complex where you got to do so many different things. I mean, just from what I'm seeing, the numbers on this project, you you decreased their energy by 60%. You replaced over 500 fixtures. Can you kind of tell us what it was like working on that project? Yeah. So uh, first of all, full disclosure, we have a fantastic team that worked on that project. I just got to go up there and tell the story. So, <laughs> but, um, you know, it's one of those projects where, um, you know, it, it, on, on the... At its most basic, it's a pretty simple project. It's it's what we call a one-for-one one, um, retrofit. So it was, we take out an old fixture and we put a new fixture in. And, and we do that a lot, and we do it in a lot of places every day across the country. What I think made this project unique and, and a little bit more interesting was the fact that the customer's main drive in this project wasn't necessarily dollars. Uh, the customer's main drive in this project was uh, more about the human efficiency and labor efficiency than it was about energy efficiency, which is something that's a little bit different. Most uh, energy efficiency projects, whether they're EMS systems, whether they're LED lighting upgrades, or whether they're uh, electrical repower works, most energy projects have uh, a financial focus as the main driver. But in this particular case, the customer uh, was thrilled, of course, with the financials of the project. 
But really what was driving them was they were tired of changing light bulbs. They were tired of, of renting lifts, coming in, moving people out of their workspaces, uh, changing out a light bulb or changing out a fixture if a ballast failed and stuff like that. Um, and they were also tired of every few years having to go in and change all of the lamps or or uh, change the fixtures because the lighting had dimmed. You know, one of the things that happens with fluorescent lighting and old metal halide lighting is that the lighting becomes less effective over time um, and, and you have light depreciation. Um, if you've ever walked into uh, an older store or an older office that has old T12 fluorescence, those are the like the original fluorescence. You don't see them anymore very much because they're uh, not made anymore, but but you'll still find them every now and then. And you'll walk in and you'll see them and they'll be really dim compared to maybe other fluorescent lights that you see. That's light depreciation. It's an old lamp. It's an old fixture. And so this customer was kind of tired of that. Light depreciation results in uh, uh, less productivity on the work floor because the workers are having to work a little bit harder to do their job to see what they need to see. Um, it is creating things like... Um, headaches, uh, eye fatigue, stuff that you just don't really think could happen from just lighting. Uh, but that's what's going on with older lighting as lighting ages. And so this customer was just tired of, of those things. And so they started looking for a better solution. I mean, obviously they're a racing team. They're, they're, they're building these million dollar cars um, with these small parts and, and everything about it has to be very detailed, very detail oriented. And so um, they came in and they said, we need a better lighting system. We need a better lighting solution. We were able to offer them a product that fit that. And uh, on top of that, that product offered them a tremendous energy savings. Um, add to that, that we put controls into the system so that the fixtures, their LED fixtures, they're reducing power consumption by 50% or whatever the exact number is. I'd have to go back and reference it. But, but add to that the controls, Daintree controls, where the fixtures dim from 100% down to 50% when they're not needed. And you suddenly have this um, extra savings on top of it. So it was a neat project. Uh, obviously, the cars were cool. Everything about the space was really cool. But the f it, it was also what was driving the customer that was kind of unique and kind of different. And in the end, we were able to deliver it. And uh, I think they're I think they're pretty happy with what they've got now. Well, I like your perspective because I definitely agree that there is an increased focus on energy savings just because as we move forward, energy costs are only going to rise up. And so I actually talked to somebody about solar yesterday. And so, you know, you're kind of you're you're on the same alignment with him. And so uh, just looking ahead, kind of what's emerging in the industry, uh, it, it's kind of it, it's been said that, you know, less is more. So uh, do you see a, a consistent you know uh, approach to less energy or low voltage options in the industry? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, if you just go back, I mean, look at any of our technologies, any of the technologies that we use on a daily basis, our cars are more efficient, our uh, air conditioning systems at home are more efficient. Um, we, we live in a world where we recognize that the resources that we have are not necessarily all um, inexhaustible. Um, and so, yeah, we, we need to become more efficient. We need to become uh, I don't want to say greener because I think that's philosophical too, too philosophical. I, I want to stay a little bit more grounded. We just, we need to be uh, better stewards of what we have. And so uh, the industry recognizes that and the technology is there to capture 
that and to offer that opportunity to building owners um, everywhere. I was talking last night on an airplane on the way home from California with a guy who owns multiple buildings in the Phoenix area. And we were talking about solar and, um, you know, he was he was saying that he wasn't interested in solar right now because he felt like it wasn't efficient enough for it didn't reach his financial threshold. But he saw that it was getting there. And so he was keeping his eye on it very closely and and watching it. And we had a really great conversation. And and I think that is where the industry is going. Things are getting more efficient. Things are getting better. We're going to see low voltage lighting. We're already seeing low voltage lighting. We're going to see low voltage lighting in mass, I think, before too long. Um, we're seeing these large customers, these big box retailers that we all know and we all shop at. They are right there on the cusp of doing some major retrofit projects. Um, and, and those players right there will, will be reducing uh, their carbon footprint tremendously, which I think is going to have an impact on the energy industry as a whole, some of these players are that big that I think it will it will change the the industry as a whole and really open building owners and operators' eyes to what can be had uh, by becoming a little bit more efficient. So, yeah, I only see see it getting better. I only see us uh, getting smarter, uh, and I only see it becoming more fun because every one of these projects is fun. It's exciting to figure out where we can get uh, that extra kilowatt, uh, how much more we can squeeze. Uh, out of that power line, um, you know, you you get like fifty percent, and then you're like, I want fifty two percent. What else can I do here? And uh, and and so it's a lot of fun. Well, Brandon, it's obvious that um, your insight is very much appreciated, and I'm I'm just so glad that we were able to talk about everything. You know, from the projects that you've done for Andretti, and also just you know talking about energy efficiency to the timeline of a project, how that can ultimately affect the overall success of a building. So I really just appreciate you joining the show today. And Brandon, uh, just as we close out, is there any sort of website or blog that you write for that we can send our listeners to, to find out more information about what the work you're doing? Yeah, sure. So everything that I write, I publish, uh, on FSGI.com. So we have a news and news and events tab and it's, it's published there. Uh, I also publish on LinkedIn, LinkedIn, Brandon.Borland, I think is the username, but, um, you know, more than anything, the, the thing that's that I think is important is that 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 we just keep following all of the thought leaders in this industry. That that we we keep learning every day. Um, that's what I strive to do. Um, I don't have all of the answers. I never will have all of the answers, uh, and I've only begun to scratch the surface. There's so much out there to grab. There's so many good people to to read, and so many good people to listen to. And I'm always amazed at uh, the new ideas that come up that I've never thought about. Uh, some of the people that we've got in our business, 35 years in this business, and they're getting new ideas every day. So it's, it's just a brave new world. It's a ton of fun. It's the wild, wild west, whatever you want to call it. Uh, saving energy is the new cool thing to do. And uh, the best thing you can do is just keep learning and keep reading and, 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 and keep moving forward. And I love what you said earlier. Finding out what drives your consumer is really going to help uh, your business. So I really appreciate your time today and just uh, your insights. Or it, It's obvious that you're a thought leader. So I just want to encourage anyone listening to that. Please follow Brandon. I know he's he remains humble, but Brandon is in fact a thought leader. He's he's continuing to do amazing uh, work in the, the building management uh, in, industry as well as uh, energy retail. He, he's just working all over the place. So Brandon, it's been an honor to have you. 
Thank you. Appreciate it. That was Brandon Borland from FSG. If you want to visit their website, go to fsgi.com. I specifically encourage you to find the article that we talked about in the podcast. It's called For When the Win Determines If It's a Win. Talk about it. It's amazing, fascinating details just about the timeline of a project and how it can ultimately determine whether your building is going to be a success or not. Truly insightful and just it just shows the expertise of who Brandon is and just how much of a thought leader he is. And FSG is very lucky to have him. You can also follow us on our website, marketscale.com. Go down to the building management tab and you're not going to believe how much content we have there. Blogs, news minutes. And of course, we have tons more podcasts just like this, interviewing industry experts just like Brandon. We're talking about the future of the industry and we definitely want you to come on and listen. Until next time, I'm your host, Taylor Sandridge. We'll see you next time.